This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. When we witness an unexplainable miracle, we are quick to point out that it could only be the hand of the Almighty. But what about those still small things in life? Could it be that Yehovah is trying to get our attention in the little things, even in advertisements and movies? Joe Kovacs challenges us to consider the ordinary as extraordinary. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Hey, I hope you enjoyed last week with Joe Kovacs. We have more challenges awaiting you tonight with him. Uh, he is going to return with a call to open our eyes and see Yehovah's influence and even things like ads and movies. But none of it can compare with the ascension of Yeshua, which we celebrated on the 40th day of the counting of the Omer, which was yesterday, in fact. And uh, we know that because it's on the astronomically and agricultural corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. We are into a new month now, the third month, uh, also known as Shavon uh, or Savon from uh, Babylonian captivity days. And uh, we have a very special co-host today. So please help me welcome our ambassador club coordinator, Angie Clark. Thank you, Scott. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. You know, uh, speaking of Joe and movies, yes. before the cameras came on, you had mentioned something interesting that you noticed that is happening uh, in... Recently. Recently, in, in uh, you know, the news last few weeks, and in May it was a really hot thing, uh, and you said, hey, you know what, that happened in the movies, kind of. Tell us what yes, you were talking yes. about. Yes, and we're talking about the baby formula yeah. that has been, recently has been hard to come by. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, they were actually transporting mother's milk in these big containers, you know, these big 18-wheelers uh, from point yeah. A to point B. And I'm like, is that a signpost? You know, is this something? Really weird. You know, I, even, I know. And that was from, know. You said it was from one of those uh, movies from the 80s with Mad Max yeah, or something. Yeah, or, it was yeah. quite a while back. But that just popped in my head. I'm, I'm like, maybe Joe is really, truly onto something here. He is. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. his book is, is called Godspeed. And uh, or, or reaching Godspeed. Okay. And that's what he calls uh, just sort of noticing things in everyday life is Godspeed. Sort of see things beyond what we see. Yeah, okay, so what if? So it's just a table. So what? It's just it's just a forest. Can you see the forest through the trees yeah. kind of thing? That's what he's looking that's at. That's discernment. That's yeah, what that's it really called. Is. Yep. Now, Ambassador Club. Uh, yes. So what is, the Ambassador Club is a, a group of folks who donate to Root Awakening on a monthly basis. Yes. And uh, we even have a special... Um, a Facebook page for them. Yes. That's where you'll find our, our folks. Right. And uh, again, before the cameras came on, we were talking about some of our amazing ambassadors and what they do. Oh my gosh. So uh, tell us about, there's a couple you mentioned uh, to me a few minutes ago. Uh, first, just let me say, they are our core group supporters. Yes. I mean, they they don't want anything in return other than to get the message out. So I like to call them our boots on the ground. They truly are ambassadors mm -hmm. of, of, of Yehovah. But uh we have so many entrepreneurs, we have poets, we have artists. Um, Mike Molinaire, I'm just gonna mention okay. him. He has, I, I probably need to do a little bit more research, but from my understanding, what he has come up with it, is he has learned how to turn condensation from air conditioning into drinking water. I mean, he's got Smart. this amazing, yeah, he's got this amazing pro program, and uh, you can probably find him on Facebook, you know, and, and it'll explain more there. but. Uh, artists, we have some amazing artists. Carol Painter comes to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, Martha Norris, okay, she makes me want to be in my 80s. So <laughs> she became a widow and uh, about two years ago, I think it was about two years ago. And what she did, she sold their property and she bought a fifth wheel mm -hmm. and a truck and she's traveling in her 80s. And you asked wow, me, is she doing it alone? I said, no, she's got a puppy. <laughs> so, I mean, just, it's these kind of people. Um, and then people who have fellowships, you know, that um, they have created fellowships within the Ambassador Club, even some of them, mm. you know, they've met online. But the Redmonds, they had a huge Passover. The Hootashells, they, mm. 
they have this amazing Avi Fellowship, you know, and there's just countless others. That's just who yeah. comes to my mind right now. And I now. remember uh, the one I always see on, on my Facebook page is uh, Roger Bishop. Oh, yes. He has a, a coffee shop that is just doing some wonderful I things. I so want to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he makes me want to go have coffee with him, you know? <laughs> and he does are, have really good coffee, by the right, way. Too. He does, yes. And so, again, how do you become part of this amazing group of people? Well, it's almost sort of like this underground group that's uh, the really cool people, yeah. right? And that's our ambassador yeah, club. Yeah, so. it's kind of the cool people. So, <laughs> so when people, be, if they want to become the boots on the ground for this ministry, what is it, like $100 a month? It's something? $100 or more a month or $1,200 annually. And uh, you can find us, you know, at michaelrue.tv. Mm-hmm. We have our own page on there. And so you can just go there and sign up. Okay, wonderful. Or you can call me. All right, Either good. Way. So, and there's no, Angie's number on the bottom of the screen there. You can talk to Angie. Well, it's the, it's the, it's the it's, ministry yeah, number. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. your cell phone. No. <laughs> I'm not going to broadcast that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of uh, ambassadors and folks who support the ministry, um, there is something folks can get uh, in response for giving to this ministry, and we call that the love gift. And every month we have something different. Uh, this month, it is a teaching from Dr. Douglas Hamp called Gog and Magog. And Gog and Magog, just so you know, and if you were ever part of a uh, Pentecostal church, it is not Russia and China. <laughs> Gog and Magog is not Russia and China, something that people were trying to guess at when they're you know, reading right. Revelation way back when. So he talks about what is Gog and Magog. It's a very important teaching, especially for right now. Uh, you want to get this. And you can get it for uh, a gift of $50 or more. We'll just give this to you. Michael says, if anyone supports this ministry with the Love Gift Program, let's just give them some things just to say thank you. So this is a thank you gift. It's a... It's a uh, teaching from Dr. Douglas Hamp, and uh, that's for a gift of $50 or more, and for $100 or more, well, that's what this pillow is in front of us. So we, we like have this pillow. pillow. Yes, this is what Michael Rood calls my pillow. Now, this is not a my pillow pillow. <laughs> this is right. just Michael Rude's favorite pillow. Yeah. And he says, "This is I'm Michael Rude, and this is my pillow. And uh, this is the only pillow you're ever going to find with the name of Yehovah on it, scanned directly from the Aleppo Codex. And let's just clear it up right now. This is a font from the time of the Aleppo Codex. Right. It is not a mistake. I know you're going to look at, well, that, that's connected there. That's not a hey, that's a het. Trust me, uh, trust Nehemiah Gordon. He's the one that told right, us right. <laughs> that it's actually a font choice uh, from that era. So you'll get this and the teaching for a gift of $100 or more. Or for a gift of $300, you'll get all that and these beautiful salt and pepper shakers. Those are amazing. These And these are not acrylic. These are crystal. Crystal. They are heavy little things. And it says Shabbat Kodesh on them in Hebrew at the bottom here. And a little scene of Jerusalem. And uh, you'll get all this for a gift of $300 That's or more. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a David wonderful thing. David does so good in picking out these. Oh, yeah, David Robinson. He is, he's amazing. He, does so well. he chooses all this type of stuff for us. So, anyway, beautiful gift this month. Wonderful teaching. Uh, you can lay back and watch the teaching on your pillow and uh, maybe have a snack while you're at it with your salt and pepper shakers. And just wait till after Shabbat. There, just wait until. There you go. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Angie. It's been my pleasure. Been a pleasure. Can you join us again next week? Absolutely. This was fun. You know, we only have you every once in a while, so we want to right. have you back. Okay, great. So we'll, we'll see you again next week. All right, so when we witness an unexplainable miracle, we are quick to point out that it could only be the hand of the Almighty. But what about those still small things in life? Could it be that Yehovah is trying to get our attention, even in things like movies and advertisements? Well, Joe Kovacs is coming up with Godspeed, Episode 2. But right now, you have two minutes to grab your bread and your wine for the Kiddush with Michael. So go get it. Most believers, at one point or another, attempt to decipher the book of the Revelation. But without context, it's difficult to understand. This month, Michael Rood wants to give you a teaching that will make your Bible come alive and reveal the fascinating end-time truth of Yeshua's victory against the enemy of his people. What really is going to happen is there's going to be an epic battle when Yeshua comes. He's going to fight against an individual named Gog, the beast, Antichrist, the little horn, son of perdition, they're all the same thing. Dr. Douglas Hamp helps to unravel one of the most misunderstood events of the end times, Gog and Magog. This teaching is an exclusive thank you gift for your support of A Root Awakening International. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you Gog and Magog with Dr. Douglas Hamp on DVD or Blu-ray. Or donate $100 and we'll send you Gog and Magog I'm Michael Rood, and this is my pillow. Plus, Michael Rood's favorite pillow, featuring the name of Yehovah, scanned from the Aleppo Codex. Or donate $300, and we'll send you Gog and Magog with Dr. Douglas Hamp. Michael Rood's favorite pillow, featuring the name of Yehovah. 
Plus, these elegant crystal salt and pepper shakers featuring scenes from Jerusalem and the words Shabbat Kodesh in Hebrew. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. These special gift collections featuring the Gog and Magog teaching from Dr. Douglas Hamp are available only in June and supplies are limited. Call to make your donation today and receive these exclusive thank you gifts. Call 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610. Or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. The Apostle Paul said that Yeshua nailed the dogmas, the doctrines and commandments of men, of the arche and exousia, that he overcame, that he nailed their commandments, their man-made dogmas to the cross. And because of that, we are not to allow any of the arche and exousia, any of the religious authorities of men who made up their own commandments to judge us because every one of the feasts of the Lord are prophetic shadow pictures of good things to come. So don't let any pagan, let no religious authority judge you concerning the Sabbath, the new moons. And on the Sabbath, we do not allow the world to judge us and tell us what to do. We know that Yeshua paid the price for us. And the last night he was with his disciples when he took the bread and he blessed the Most High with this blessing. Baruch atah Yehovah, Heleno Melech HaOlam, Hamotzi Lechem Hinaretz. He said, this represents my body, which is now broken for you. As often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of him. And then Yeshua took the cup and he said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is what this represents. This is what it's always represented. Do this in remembrance of me. And he said that prayer, Baruchatah Yehovah Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pari HaGafen. Blessed are you, Yahweh, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And he said, do this in remembrance of me and don't let anyone disparage you. Do this until I come again because I have made you priest and kings. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back to Shabbat Night Live. When last we spoke with Joe Kovacs, we were talking about his book, Reaching God's Speed, which, by the way, you could find at reachinggodspeed.com. It's as simple as that. Welcome back, Joe. Thanks so much, Scott. You know, we barely got through the first chapter, those 12, well, the first gear. We barely got through first gear <laughs> last time. Your book is separated into uh, gears as the chapters. I love that, very, very interesting stuff. And we get more progressive as we go through here to see things God's way, to basically just stop thinking about things so hard, look at what's in front of us, look at what Yeshua tells us, and look at it from a child's perspective. And I think, you know, um, one thing everybody loves is music. And you. Look at that in your second gear episode, or rather episode, uh, uh, chapter two. And the title is, if you listen very hard, the songs remain the same. So let's talk about songs. And we're not talking about like Christian songs or even uh, messianic songs on the radio or something we have recorded. This is just songs everywhere because God's in control of everything. Absolutely. And that's the key. God is in control of everything, and he's a broadcaster. He's a broadcaster of good news, and even in music, people don't realize his presence is there. I'm just going to throw out some names of very popular songs okay. that everyone has heard of. Name that tune. Exactly. <laughs> Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Bee Gees. Oh, okay, yeah, a little bit before my time, but yeah, I know Dating myself there, but <laughs> it, was, it was a big hit, and uh, Staying Alive, or songs like I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, or Forever Young by Rod Stewart, they're all saying the same thing because we're meant to be staying alive, as in eternal life. Hmm. We're going to be surviving and be forever young. That's the whole message of the Bible, is that we're not going to die, we're going to be staying alive. So is this, oh, let me stop you there. So this is basically saying, Yehovah is working through these folks to tell us something, regardless of what the lyrics may say or what we may read into them. 
He's telling us something through these people. Yes, and these people, I'm not suggesting in any way that they're believers. Maybe some of them are, maybe some of them aren't. But God is using them, inspiring them. If you look up the word inspire in the dictionary, in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it says the word inspire has to do with breathing into somebody from a divine being uh, information. And these writers always talk about, oh, I was inspired to write this song. Again, it goes back to the breath of God. God breathes his mind into these writers. So they're writing these words and lyrics, and they have no clue in, in most cases that they're even doing God's work. But when mm. they write songs like Lady Gaga, Edge of Glory, we're all on the edge of glory right now. We're mm. about to be glorified as children of God. And these folks have little idea that they're writing it. Walk This Way by Arrowsmith. That sounds like a direct line from the Bible. Isaiah 30, 21. This is the way. Walk in it. Mm. Walk this way. So I'm sure Aerosmith is probably not the, the most uh, yeah. uh, Christian. I, I don't mean to cast illusions on anybody, but they probably didn't know that they were penning words from the Bible. In New York, New York by Frank Sinatra, he talks about waking up in a city that doesn't sleep. Hmm. Well, you know, the Bible talks all the time about uh, the city of God, Psalm 46.4, and uh, Waking up is being resurrected. You know, Jesus woke up Lazarus from the dead. Uh, the city that doesn't sleep, there's no more sleep, no more death, because sleep is associated with death. Now, some people might say, okay, okay, come on, Joe, I, I get, I get the, what you're doing here, but, I mean, isn't that grasping at straws? I mean, isn't that a little bit uh, far-fetched? You can think that, and people are entitled to think that, and some people do think that. But my point is, when you go back to the Bible itself, Christ fills all in all. He fills himself with his presence everywhere. Ephesians 1.23 says, well, is that true or not? If it's true, then he is in everything. If it's not true, then he's not in any of these songs. My point is that he is in everything because the Bible says he's in everything. Scripture is either true or it's not true. So Christ fills all things everywhere with himself, including music. And he knows people listen to pop music and rock music and, and all you know country music, rap music, whatever kind of music. So they, they listen with their physical ears, but they're not listening with their spiritual ears. Remember, Jesus mm. said we have to have an ear to hear and eyes to see uh, the, the message being broadcast, and the message is all about him. He is everything. He's the, he's the whole reason we're here, and he's the place where we're going to. And that's, I, well, you know, it's not unlike uh, Pharaoh in the Bible. Let's take that. So even Yehovah can use Pharaoh to accomplish his purposes. Did Pharaoh even believe in Yehovah? No. Was he evil? Was he, uh, did he kill the, his slaves, the Israelites? Of course he did. He was just an evil person, but Jehovah still used him to accomplish his purposes. Is that, is that what we're getting at here? Absolutely. The devil himself is being used by God to accomplish its purpose. We wouldn't know what evil was unless we were influenced by mm. the devil to do that. You see, you know, King Cyrus in the Old Testament, pagan sun-worshipping king, but he goes and brings uh, the Israelites out of captivity and says, okay, you can go build your temple now. This guy didn't even uh, know God in any respect, and yet God is able to use him to accomplish his purpose. God works in mysterious ways. The Bible actually says that. So he's taking people who even have ostensibly nothing to do with God, hmm. and he is using them to uh, voice his message or the actions they do are, are broadcasting his message. You know, that's interesting. So God, God works in mysterious ways. So it, it, it's almost arrogant, this seems to me, that it's almost arrogant for us to think that we understand how God works. Well, God wouldn't do that. He wouldn't use Pharaoh. He wouldn't use Aerosmith to get a message to me. Some people think that way. Well, yeah, but that, that, that's, that's, almost, that's almost arrogant to think so because we need to go back to, again, that childlike faith. So a child listens to maybe not all the words of a, of a particular song, but you see the title, Walk This Way. What good can we take from that? And so that's the way we need to look at things. So let, let's look at that from a childlike perspective again. So you've told me that there are some kids' stories that have some very deeper meaning that if we are to uh, see with our spiritual eyes and hear with our spiritual ears, we'll hear something behind it. So what's an example of that? I think a very easy, simple example for people to understand is the famous Hansel and Gretel story. We're all taught this story probably in kindergarten or even earlier about children who are lost in the wilderness or trying to find their way home. They come across a house in the wilderness 
filled with all kinds of treats on the outside. They're really lured into this, into this house, but they don't know that this house is run by a wicked individual, a witch, as a matter of fact, who, turns out, wants to devour the children mm. uh, herself, to actually eat the kids, and places them in captivity inside her own house and is getting ready to put them in an oven until the children fight back. Gretel gets up the courage and uh, fights back and uh, throws the wicked one into the, the blazing fire, the oven, the furnace, however you wish to say it. All, everybody knows this story, Hansel and Gretel. But this is a perfect analogy for the spirit level of Godspeed. It is the whole message of what we're doing here. We are the children lost in the wilderness. We're trying to find our way back home to our, our heavenly parent, if you want to think of it that way, because we're in, this world is a wilderness. The Bible calls it the wilderness uh, many times, and, and we all realize that this is not our permanent home. Uh, we're trying to get back there, but we're being lured by an evil individual, the devil, through all kinds of things that we lust for. Now, in the story of Hansel and Gretel, it could be all kinds of sweet treats on the house that they're candy, if you want to think of it that way. But we all have our spiritual candy that we're attracted to. Mm. Sometimes it's money, sometimes it's drugs, sometimes it's alcohol, sometimes it's other people. People have the lusts of the heart that they're going after, that they shouldn't be going after. We're drawn away from God, and so we're being held in captivity, in bondage, by the wicked individual. Mm. In the story of the children, Hansel and Gretel, it's a witch. In the spiritual story, we're all in captivity, held by the devil. Jesus even said he came to free the prisoners. We, we are the prisoners. We're being held captive, and we have to fight the good fight of faith, as the New Testament says, against the wicked one, to put the wicked one in the fiery furnace, in the blazing oven, if you want to think of it that way. Because you read Revelation, it's the devil who ends up going into mm. the Gehenna fire, the, uh, the fiery oven, the, the furnace, if you will. And then at the end of the story, they say, we are free, we are saved, and that's the good end of the story for us. We become mm. saved, and they lived happily ever after. If you ever notice all these children's stories, they say at the end, they lived happily ever after. In other words, they have eternal life forevermore in a joyful state, just mm. as the Bible promises. So every time you hear a children's story, whether it's Hansel and Gretel or any of them, the phrase to live happily ever after is telling you the end of the story. The end of the story is eternal life happy forever. Hmm. And it's interesting that you say that when you mention the story, I'm thinking of a couple of things here. Number one, there's a phrase we have in today's world called eye candy. So something we see is eye candy, just like the house with Hansel and Gretel. It's something sweet to eat, or we think it's going to be good for us, but in the end, even as Solomon mentions in Proverbs, uh, a little bit of honey is good, but too much will make you sick. Right. I mean, we're meant to have some sweetness in our life, and, and, and Jesus is our, our sweetness, but you have too much of what you think is a good thing is not always a good thing. And as we can see, our mm. world, people get addicted to all kinds of things. Again, I mentioned sports earlier, but it, it could be anything. People get addic addicted to their jobs, their workaholics, or they get addicted to social media. I see this going on all the time everywhere. <laughs> you see people walking along the street and they're doing this, they're not looking at traffic, and they, they get addicted to uh, anything that takes your attention away from God becomes an idol to people. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, what, you know, the, the kids in this Hansel and Gretel story, they were addicted to sweets and treats, but we go after all these, all these mm -hmm. different things. And it, it could be anything, anything that takes your attention away from God. You know, another thing about Hansel and Gretel, I don't know if you've ever seen an illustrated version of that story in a book, but, uh, you know, people like Disney will, or I don't think they've ever done the story of Hansel and Gretel, but if they did, I can imagine them putting uh, this, this wicked witch is this hunched over evil looking person, but I don't think of it like that now that you, you sort of said this. You know, it's, it's like once someone explains a story the way you have, you can't unsee it or you can't unhear it. Now you're thinking about it a different way. It would almost seem like when Hansel and Gretel went into the house where it's all made of candy, the person who lived in there, you'd think would be very, a very beautiful looking person. 
It would not look like they, they were a danger to them. It would be, oh, come in, enjoy some candy. You know, this would be a very uh, attractive type of person, just like anything attractive uh, that we go after may not be good for us. Right. The New Testament actually says the devil masquerades as an angel of light, or he makes himself appear as an angel of light. So people can think that they're doing the right thing sometimes when they're not. So mm -hmm. it, it's a very... That's why we have to discern things. Again, we live in the land of the knowledge of good and evil. Both are present at all times. So no matter who we're talking to or, or what kind of business we're engaging in, we have to be aware that both things are present and we have to choose the good and reject the evil. Choose life, as the Bible says. You know, God says, look, I'm making it easy for you. Uh, I'm giving you life versus death. Uh, mm. Choose life. Life and good, death and evil. So choose life. So this is this is almost seems like, like you say, a business deal. So you're in the business deal. Everything seems good. Then you get what people call the sixth sense. So like, eh, something doesn't feel right here. And that's what kids have too, don't they? When, when little kids, they will either approach somebody or not approach somebody because they have this innate ability to determine, this person's not a danger to me. I'm gonna go to them, they're okay. And, and even animals to that degree, right, will have this sixth sense. So is this what we're getting at? Is forgetting to, or, or ignoring what we know and relying on our own knowledge and going back to that childlike state like we mentioned before of just trusting Yehovah and whatever he shows us is good, just go or, or stay away. Absolutely, the Bible says over and over, put your trust in God, your hope in God and always try to uh, follow the commandments. If you keep the commandments, which is the whole duty of man, it says in Ecclesiastes, then you're going to be on the right track. And, you know, some people think uh, the commandments are, are harsh. Another word for the commandments or the Torah is just instruction. God is giving you the instructions for eternal life. If you're going to be stealing or thinking of stealing, that is not the path to life. Mm -hmm. God is not interested in, in thieves uh, in the kingdom of God, and he's not going to give murderers and thieves and liars uh, eternal life. He, he will give uh, eternal life to people who tell the truth. That's why it says over and over, speak mm -hmm. ye the truth, everyone to his neighbor, because uh, that's a, an important concept. So the more that we get in line with the instructions of God, whether you call them the commandments or the law or uh, however you wish to phrase it, God is telling you how to get eternal life. He's giving us eternal life. It's free. We just have to keep rejecting the evil in life. Mm -hmm. It's a very refreshing way of looking at things. I look at even how you mentioned that even in advertising, you see there are uh, moments of God speaking to us, even when we're, we talk about candy with, with Hansel and Gretel, even with uh, advertising candy these days. So what's one that you see there that uh, we need to pay attention to? Well, with the, with the candy thing, you know, we see Skittles candy being mentioned uh, all, all over the place, and they have this slogan, taste the rainbow. Okay, yeah. Well, that is actually telling us to taste God. There is a psalm, Psalm 34, 8, says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And why is it a rainbow? Why does it mention a rainbow? Because the rainbow signifies the very presence of God. Ezekiel 1.28 says, The appearance of the brilliant light all around was that, like that of a rainbow Hmm. In a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. So taste the rainbow is another way of saying taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'm sure the makers of Skittles aren't thinking biblically when they come up with the, you know, they get all their advertising executives in a room and say, hmm, how can we market Skittles candy? And, and let's come up with taste the rainbow because we want to get biblical. No, they're not thinking about that on a physical level. But God is getting his message broadcast because we're meant to taste and see that the Lord is good. And the Lord's appearance is represented by a rainbow when we merely uh, connect the dots in the Bible. He makes the wise the simple. Yeah, my favorite commercial is from the 80s and 90s. This, uh, this woman is wearing a device around her neck and she falls in the bathroom and says, I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh yeah, yep, I remember that. It's uh, for Life Call or Life Alert. It's been used by both products. But this is the message of God, as we know from Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It even sounds like a direct lyric from Psalm 18.38, where uh, King David says, they cannot get up, they fall. <laughs> That's a line from the Bible. That's great. They fall, they cannot get up. So huh. basically, when we fall away from God, when we sin, you know, we can't get up unless we're forgiven by God and, and go through the process of repentance. 
and God will make us get up. Literally, when you see the word get up or lift up or raise or rise in the Bible, those are all key words, synonyms for resurrection. Mm. Again, he's declaring the end from the beginning and the end of the story is resurrection. Now, before we get to the break, I want you to explain something you see in movies, particularly one of my favorite movies, uh, The Raiders of the Lost Ark. What do, you, what do you see there? This is a, a fantastic movie, and it's ostensibly about an item mentioned in the Bible, the Lost Ark of the Covenant. But the, the story with uh, Indiana Jones. Yes. Harrison, Harrison Ford. Ford. Yes. Great, great actor, and we all love that movie. He's essentially unearthing an object that represents the presence of God from Egypt. That's the, the theme of the movie. The two key words to focus on here are earth, because he's taking it out of the earth, from Egypt, it's buried in the earth, and it's, it's in Egypt. What does the word earth mean at God's speed on the spirit level or the parable level? When you hear the word earth, what do you think of? Uh, earth, well, uh, the planet is first of all, and then I guess what beyond that, what is the planet made of? So it's, uh, I guess, dirt. People think of dirt, soil, <laughs> mud, clay. Earth, yeah, the oil, the earth. Exactly. Yeah. However, at God's speed, at the spirit level, earth represents us people in the flesh. Why on earth does earth represent people in the flesh? Because it tells us in the Bible, right at the very start in Genesis, that mankind was formed from the dust of the earth, the dust of the ground. It calls us clay all the time mm. in the Bible. I am dust and ashes, Abraham says. God has taken me from the mud and mire. All these phrases are in the Bible. God says, listen, earth. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. He's not talking about piles of dirt shouting to the Lord or piles of dirt listening. He's talking about us in the flesh, people. The earth represents people. Now, what about this Egypt business? Egypt is not just a country on a map over in Africa. There is a higher meaning to it, and it has to do with the meaning of the word Egypt. I may have alluded to it before, but Egypt means the dark place of misery. The Hebrew word for Egypt is Mizraim. Sounds an awful lot like misery, which is what it means, because that's what the Hebrew word means. We are in a state of misery here in the flesh. So mm. Raiders of the Lost Ark is talking about unearthing the very presence of God from Egypt, the flesh. We're all in a personal Egypt. The Revelation says Jesus was crucified in Egypt because he was in the state of the flesh here in, on planet Earth where we're all earthlings, by the way, if you ever want to know why we're called earthlings, it's because we're made up of the earth, not just on planet earth, but that's what we're made up of according to scripture. So the removal, the coming out of Egypt, what the Bible keeps mentioning, come out of Egypt, my son, and out of Egypt, I have called my son, phrases like this. It's telling us we have to remove the presence of God from this dark place of misery, our physical flesh, to become resurrected and become in the kingdom of God. Because as mm. we know, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to get more a little bit later. Thank you for bringing Joe here. You brought him here with your donations. It's your donations that make all of this happen. It also gives Michael more time to heal now that Joe is here. So thank you again, Joe, for coming. And uh, thank you because you made all of this possible. Someone made it possible for you to see this. So we want you to donate so others can see this into the future. Would you consider that? We'll give you a couple minutes. We'll be right back. Thank you. All right, welcome back. Take a deep breath with me. <sighs> Okay, well, we have just experienced the presence of Yehovah. So, Joe, <laughs> we spoke last episode, last week, about breathing a little bit and how that is, uh, I think you taught us that it was the, uh, not only it's the past, the present, and the future when we breathe. Is that, is that right? Am right, I getting because that right? not only has the Lord created us long ago on our original birthday or Adam's original birthday, he is giving us his presence every second right now. We wouldn't be alive if we didn't have the breath of God mm. in us, sustaining us. And it's our future because, as we know from Genesis 2-7, which is declaring the end from the beginning, it's telling us our end, the Lord is going to form us out of the dust of the ground, mm. out of these bodies of dust that we're made of. He's going to breathe the breath of life in us so that we become a living being, an eternally alive living being. Genesis is not just the beginning, it's the end of the story mm. because God declares the end from the beginning. And therefore it's eternal and we are to become more like him where he is outside of space and time and he's trying to 
get us to get that. Exactly. Right. We're going to be like him. We're going to be children of God. You know, the offspring of a giraffe is a giraffe. The children of God, the offspring of God is in that God family. So mm. it's, it's not even that concept where you see everything is coming from its parent. It's that same kind of being. So we're not going to be these mortal flesh and blood beings anymore. We're in a body of death, as Paul calls it. So we're meant mm. to get out of this body of death and become a child of God, eternally alive, not in this withering body. We're withering from the moment we're born until the moment we die. Right. And we see that even in Hebrew, where we're talking about um, the blood and earth and red, it's all kind of interrelated. And so I, this comes as no surprise to someone who, who knows a little bit of Hebrew. So let's get into a little bit more about, um, about uh, how God is in everything, and even in our modern news. So we hear good news, we hear bad news. Um, how do you see that, that Yehovah is in, is in all of this? Here are a couple of news stories that are actual news stories that I've heard on the news. Runaway child rescued from blazing inferno. That's, that's good news. Or wandering toddler has been reunited with his family. I was watching the news one day having lunch and there it was, right? On my local channel. Wandering toddler has been reunited with family. How is that broadcasting the, God, uh, the good news of God at Godspeed? Well, we're all the runaway child who is being rescued from a blazing inferno. The blazing inferno is the Gehenna fire. Jesus talks about it quite a bit in the New Testament. We are also the wandering toddler. We're wandering away from God. We wandered away from our parent, but in the end, we're going to be reunited with mm -hmm. our family. So even when you hear simple items like that in the local news, it's broadcasting the end of our story. Even through history, we had the Renaissance following the Dark Ages. It's a historical event everybody knows about. You crack open the encyclopedia, you learn about the Dark Ages and the Renaissance following the Dark Ages. How is that broadcasting the good news of God? Well, the Dark Ages represents our time in the darkness of flesh. We are in the flesh right now, in darkness and in spiritual darkness where we're wandering away from God. But Renaissance means rebirth, as I'm sure you mm. know, and once we're out of the flesh, we are going to be reborn into the kingdom of God. Jesus famously said, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Mm. So we're going to get out of our dark age. We're all in the dark ages right now, spiritually speaking, but we're going to have a renaissance coming soon. So that's good news. Sometimes there's bad news, though, in the news. We all turn on the news every night or listen to it on our car radio. We have all kinds of wickedness happening in the news, whether it's wars or a coronavirus pandemic. We're all familiar with all kinds of mayhem and nastiness. But the good news is hidden in the bad news. How is this possible? Well, the Bible itself, just in case you haven't read it recently, but you probably have, you're aware that there's all kinds of bad news and disasters and catastrophes happening in the Bible. Who is the causer of that? Well, I'm going to read you a couple of Bible quotes here just to make sure everybody is aware of this. These are sentences spoken by God himself. Jeremiah 45.5, I am about to bring disaster on everyone. Here's Micah 2.3. I am planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. It will be a time of calamity. Amos 3.6, if a disaster occurs in a city, hasn't Jehovah done it? Hasn't the Lord done it? Here's Isaiah 45.7, I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. And Deuteronomy 32:39. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There's many, many more, but uh, th that's just some examples of who is responsible for calamities, disasters, wars, whatever the disaster is, God is there. Mm. Now, this brings up the question, why is God creating disasters? Well, he's trying to uh, give us a lesson. The lesson is Disaster will come on you because you will do what is evil in the Lord's sight. Deuteronomy 31, 29. Listen, earth. There's that earthing again. How can the earth listen if it's not people? So listen, earth. I am about to bring disaster on these people, for they have paid no attention to my words. They have rejected my instruction. That's Jeremiah 6, 19. Now, 
The ultimate purpose is to get us out of our wicked behavior. And the Bible says so, Jeremiah 36, 3. Perhaps when the people hear about every disaster I plan to inflict on them, they will each turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their wickedness and their sin. Why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? God asks in Isaiah 1, 5. And I don't want you to die, says the Lord, the sovereign Lord. Turn back and live, Ezekiel 18, 32. Hmm. So God is using the bad news, the catastrophes, whether it's pandemics or wars or any kind of catastrophe in the news, 9-11, big, famous disaster. He's trying to get us to stop sinning. Sin hmm. is death. It leads to death. The wages of sin is death. All disasters would not be happening if we were all not sinning. So God... There's many kinds of sin out there, by the way. I'm not singling out any specific kind of sin because the Bible documents it. You can read it for yourself. There's all kinds of wickedness that is in people's mind, whether they physically commit the sin or they're just lusting after something they shouldn't be lusting after. That's still sin. And God causes, sometimes there are personal disasters in your life. You get into a motorcycle accident or, or a car wreck or, or something or you lose your job. You say, why is this disaster happening? We all have to be examining ourselves at all times because God wants to give everybody life. He says, turn back and live. I don't want you to die. So the bad news is part of the good news. Hmm. Interesting. It's almost like, so Yehovah giving us a spanking. Or something, in order Precisely. to get us back in line. Why do you want more beatings? He actually has that phrase in the Bible, Isaiah 1.5. Why do you want more beatings? Why do you keep on rebelling? Stop rebelling and everything will be right for you. Even in the Old mm. Testament, he says, oh, if my people only had a desire for me, then everything would be right uh, for them and their children forever. But people don't have a desire for God. They have a desire for anything but God. Whatever their personal Desire everything but everything God. Everything but God. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, you know, we wouldn't have weather disasters or calamities or, uh, you know, in the Bible, it has a news disaster. It's called the, uh, uh, the Tower of Siloam, where 18 people happen to die. And Jesus says of those 18 that the tower in Siloam fell on and killed. Do you think they were more sinful than all the other people who live in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. It's Luke 13, mm. verses 4 and 5. This disaster happened not because these people were worse sinners than anybody, but he's sending the message that you're all going to die unless you repent. So when 3,000 people die on 9-11, very tragic event, but it's in people's minds and, and they remember it. A lot of people died in the coronas, uh, coronavirus pandemic, whether it was from the actual virus itself or some adverse reaction to a shot. People are already dead. Jesus talked about this all the time. He says, let the dead bury their dead. Mm. How can dead people bury their dead? It's because they're spiritually dead. They don't have the spirit of God in them, motivating them in everything they do. We're the walking dead. I know there's a famous television program out there that's just wrapping up now called The Walking Dead. It's about zombies. But people without the spirit of God in them are just existing. They're, they're the walking dead. We are spiritual zombies just walking out there, and the end result of our temporary existence in our body of death is permanent death. Mm. Unless we repent, we will all perish. And Yehovah talks to us about that where he says that you know, at, a, at a certain point, he'll just let us go our way and keep on sinning. You wanna, you're not going to follow me? Fine. Have at it. Have fun. We're done. And that's what we don't want to happen. I don't know if you've ever noticed this in your life, but the, the closer I am to Jehovah, in those, in those times where I'm really into something in the word, and if I, if I go astray, he's very quick to bring us back. Whereas if we're not at all interested in him, he won't be interested in us, and he won't correct us, and he'll just let us go our way. But if we're really close, we'll, we'll get that spanking pretty quick so we can get back in line because he knows we are right where he wants us, and he wants us to stay there and not stray too far. Right. We're his flock, and you know, a, sh a good shepherd does not let the flock stray, and he goes after that one extra, you know, the, the parable of the lost sheep. He's going after that one lost sheep, even though uh, he's got uh, 99 others in, in the flock. So if you're in the flock of God, he's very concerned about you. You see comments in Revelation about, well, let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness and let mm -hmm. the righteous go on in righteousness. Because he knows that there are people, there's millions and billions of people on this planet right now, they're not following God, they're not interested in following mm -hmm. God. However, there will come a time 
the shepherds of the future will, will bring them uh, in a second resurrection and will teach them. So God has the perfect plan. He's not killing or making all these people just to kill them. He's not creating billions and billions of people over thousands of years just to say, okay, well, you're not following me. I'm going to kill you. That's not the plan of God. He wants to give people life, but they have to be taught mm. properly. We've been mistaught, but some people right now have a teachable spirit. I'm sure everyone watching this program right now has a teachable spirit. That's why you're here, because you want to be taught how to become like God. We're meant to be like Christ. There used to be a advertising slogan, be like Mike. I think it was about Michael Jordan for Nike or something, oh, yeah. be like Mike. But, uh, but we we're supposed to be like God, be like Christ. That's what we're supposed to be because we're going to be trained, we're being trained right now to do what he does. We're going to rule over people and judge them, which means coach them to get them to become eternally alive members of God's family too. God doesn't want any to perish. He gets no pleasure from the death of the wicked as he says in the Old Testament. So God wants to save everybody, but it's, it's just not happening mm. immediately with everybody. And that's why we're not to rejoice when our enemy falls. Because again, that's the love of God saying, I, I wish that you, none, none would perish. He says, love your enemy. Right, I well, love your enemy. You know, the word Satan means enemy. It means adversary. So he even called Peter at one time, get behind me, Satan. So he wasn't, talking to Satan the devil, but he was saying, get behind me, my enemy, because you're thinking of human things rather than mm. the things of God. We are meant to love and care for our enemy because we want even our enemies mm. to be saved. That's the thing. We don't just want to save our friends. We want to, be, we want to save people and give them life, uh, eternal life as well. Eternal life is not just for us. Yes, it's for us if we're uh, in, in, the, in the belief and, and God promises that, but it is intended it is everybody's destiny, if you want to think of it that way. You know, mm. Back to the Future, we talked about movies before, but Back to the Future, you see um, when things go askew off their proper sink uh, of time, people start disappearing on a photograph. They're vanishing off the photograph. Mm. We're the images of God, and if we're not in sync with God, we are vanishing out of existence. Erased from existence, as Doc Brown said in the movie. And God does not want us to be erased from the existence. We have to get back to our intended future, which is eternal life with God. When you say back to the future now, you're not just going to think of the movie. You're going to think back to our intended future, which is being alive forever with God. Oh, interesting way of thinking about that. You know, my wife and I have talked about uh, things in Revelation where uh, Yeshua says that folks will be uh, like you mentioned, uh, they're, they're doing their own thing. So they don't have their eyes open for the things of God. So they'll be giving in marriage and this, it actually doesn't mention it in Revelation, it's in the Gospels, where he mentions people giving in marriage, they'll be doing this and doing that. They'll think everything is just fine. So we need to have our eyes open, even just to see the things of Revelation coming our way. Because not everybody's going to see it, according to what I read there. We need to have our, our spiritual eyes open, as we're talking about here, even just to see those things coming our way as well. Let's talk about some other things that are um, just around us that we see that uh, give us a sense of Yehovah and his purposes. Uh, you mentioned a sunrise. What can a sunrise tell us? Everybody experiences a sunrise every day, whether it's in on the beach or in your backyard, it's one of the most glorious things that we see. This is one of the most simple ways to understand the parable level, the spirit level of God's speed. Let's examine what we physically see. We see, before the sun comes up, we just see a whole bunch of darkness around, and maybe you see a little bit of the horizon of the dark earth. And as the sun comes up above the horizon, we see giant ball of light <laughs> coming up out of the dark earth emerging to provide light to everything. Okay, so we have light coming out of the dark earth. We can all agree on that. What is this saying on the spirit level? Well, we already know what the earth represents. The earth is us. We're made of the dust of the earth, the dust of the ground. Listen, earth, shout to the Lord all the earth. He's talking about people. Earth is people. Now, what does light represent? Well, God is light. The Bible says God is light. And he says, I am the light of the world and I am the bright morning star. And uh, uh, what does he say? There, uh, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. All these phrases are in the Bible. So God's presence is represented by light. Scripture also says the Lord God is a sun. S-U-N. It uses that phrase. So 
while God is not the Son itself, is, is created by Him, it the Son represents God. So when you have giant light of the Son coming out of the dark earth, that is a picture of the end. Hmm. Because we are the dark earth out of which the light of God, the very Spirit of God is, is coming, and it's the sunrise. We even call it a sunrise. And it's funny how the word sun is actually a homonym for S-O-N. S-U-N sounds a whole lot <laughs> exactly the same, as a matter of fact, as S-O-N, sun. So sunrise, the actual light, can uh, sound to our ear like the sun's rising. We are the sons and daughters of God. Mm. So it is picturing resurrection. The Son of God himself, Jesus Christ, was raised from the dark earth and is now a bright light. His face is shining with all the brilliance of the sun, it says in Revelation. So we're going to be just like that. The end of our story is the giant light of God coming out of the dark earth, this flesh, this body of death, this fleshly body that we all dwell in, the darkness of the earth, is going to be illuminating in the heavens. That's, and, that's how, what it's broadcasting. And what makes a sunrise happen is something you also see meaning in, and that's the orbit. Tell us about that. Yes, why does the Earth revolve around the sun? People would say, well, it's gravity, man. It's gravity holding it together. <laughs> well, the answer is it's heavier than gravity because, again, if you just connect the dots of the Bible of what everything represents, the sun represents God. It is the light that gives life to everything and the, uh, the earth and all the other planets, but the earth represents people. It revolves around the sun mm. because we, the people, revolve around God. He is the center of all things, and so we keep revolving around him, and he keeps us in orbit. Mm. And if you think all the way down to the molecular level, it's the same model. You have uh, an atom, which has a nucleus, which has a positive charge, and all the electrons, which are negative, because we're the negative ones. Mm -hmm. God is very positive, and we're very negative, but all the electrons are negative, and they are orbiting around mm. God. So from the molecular level uh, all the way to uh, the outer space model of uh, the solar system, it, it, it's the same. Here's a little funny little joke, I think, at, at Godspeed for you regarding the molecular level. The word uh, Adam, as you know, sounds exactly to our ear like the word Adam, the name Adam from Genesis, mm -hmm. right? Adam and right. Adam. They're spelled differently, but, but uh, it, it sounds the same. So the Bible, as you know, says... Uh, it is not good for man to be alone, for Adam to be alone. And the word for man, I, th I think, is Adam there, but I might be mistaken about that. But anyway, it's, it is not good for man to be alone. The Hebrew word for alone, and I was shocked to learn this, the Hebrew word for alone is bad. B-A-D, spelled exactly the same and uh, sounds exactly the same as we would say it in English. Mm. So I think it's a little bit of divine humor there because it's... It's bad to be alone, as, as you know, and uh, it could be playfully understood as it is bad to be, well, not only is it bad to be alone, but it's not good to be bad. Mm. So if you think of it that way. So mm. for, it's not good for man to be alone. It is not good to be bad. Not good for man to be without God. Exactly. Because yeah. we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be filled with the presence of God, and we're meant to bond with each other, just like atoms bond with each other to form a molecule of water or any substance. We are meant to bond with others, and we are meant to be filled, just like atoms are meant to be filled. Hmm. Great. Well, thank you, Joe. We're talking about reaching God's speed. That's what we're talking about this in this uh, series right here with Joe Kovacs. You can get the book at uh, reachinggodspeed.com. And we want to thank you for joining us. We have more to talk about next week, so join us then. We'll see you next time on Shabbat Night Live. Until then, Shabu Atov.